Hi, and welcome to the DebtWire Middle Market Podcast. I'm Giovanna Azevedo. And I'm Catherine Perlaw. Today, we're joined by Ted Koenig, President and CEO of Monroe Capital. We're going to talk about the current state of the middle market lending space and how lenders are responding to distressed deals in the current economy, as well as the uptick in the M&A financing after months of due deal flow. How are you doing, Ted? I'm great. How are you all today? We're great. Thank you so much for joining us today. So the first question we have for you is, how are middle market issuers facing the drying up of PPP funding? And should we expect a new round of restructuring as money runs out in the coming months? Uh, good question. It's, uh, it, it's challenging for some. The industries that have been impacted harder with uh, COVID you know, tend to be more the in-person industries. Those are the dental, doctor visits, ophthalmology, restaurants, leisure, healthcare, those companies um, tended to be hit pretty hard. And uh, there were more furloughs, more layoffs there. The PPP loans um, solved a, a short-term problem back in the, uh, in the summer, in Q2. Now that those loans have been extended and terminated, uh, it's a challenge. We're seeing more furloughs and more permanent layoffs in those industries. So I think in those affected industries, you're going to see more restructurings and uh, you need to look no further than you know the retail market to see all the closures of stores, restructurings, bankruptcies. Um, you know, I anticipate that will continue through the fourth quarter this year. And so, you know, in terms of uh, Giovanna mentioned PPP funding, um, the government also rolled out the Main Street Lending Program. Have you seen issuers take advantage um, of this outlet? And um, if so, yes. If not, why? Uh, how's the response been there? You know, it's interesting. The PPP program provided a real benefit, and it was uh, it was it was actively used by middle market companies. You know, what what, what happens in, in the way our financing system is set up, and what the government did is the investment grade companies, which were the large companies, had access to the capital markets because the government backed those loans. So if you look at the very large companies or investment grade companies, the government was buying up corporate debt and buying up corporate equity so that those companies had liquidity in the market. The non-investment grade companies, which is about two thirds of our US economy, uh, did not have access to the capital markets because the government was not supporting those. So they used the PPP money uh, at first for that. Then the government tried uh, with this Main Street lending program to address the non-investment grade companies. The challenge was it wasn't really designed to work. What I mean by that is that less than 1% of the money that's been set aside for the Main Street lending program has actually been utilized. The Main Street lending program was set on uh, EBITDA, multiples of EBITDA. And the challenge is a lot of the companies uh, now post COVID have had EBITDA challenges. So because of the limitations that were set up by the program, many of the companies that need the capital are uh, ineligible for it because of the definitions of how the, the program was set up. So I think that that program is gonna need to be reworked completely for it to be effective. And it's really been a non-factor today with the non-investment grade companies. 
Okay, so um, considering existing loans, so the coronavirus crisis hits day one. What was the priority for a lender coming into this and for a company when they entered negotiations regarding amendments um, and things like that in the beginning of the crisis? And going forward, how is this different now, months into this virus outbreak? At first, it was all about survival. Uh, when we got into this in early March and throughout March, you know, it was crazy. Uh, our revolver capacities usually were about 20%. In other words, borrowers used revolvers about 20% of the time. Um, in, in literally three weeks to four weeks, our revolvers went up to 80% uh, usage, which is, uh, which, is, which is significant. So at the beginning uh, of, the, of the crisis, the pandemic, uh, we saw borrowers and private equity firms that were controlling borrowers tap liquidity reserves with banks, with private credit providers. And uh, that was the initial uh, reaction because they didn't really know, you know, what was going to happen, what, what was, how long it was gonna be, what, what the issues were. And then once we got into June, July period, we saw those revolvers start to come back. Because if you think about it, companies borrowed money from us and banks, put it on their balance sheet, put it in their bank accounts, and didn't use it and we're paying interest on it. So after about two, three months of not utilizing it, and uh, you know, a lot of the businesses that were not affected by COVID, you know, didn't have an issue. So we saw the revolver levels come back to normal. So that was the first issue was liquidity. After we got through the first three or four months, it wasn't about liquidity anymore. It was about just survival. You know, the companies that were impacted by COVID, restaurants, health clubs, doctor's office, dental offices, you know, it was about survival. You know, what, what do we do with the business plan? How do we get people back? Restaurants still haven't been able to do it. You know, a few, uh, New York, Chicago, the big cities, um, you know, there's been outdoor dining, but once the weather turns, um, you know, that's gonna be a major challenge. Dental offices right now are opening up, but are people coming back? You know, it's a personal decision. Do people feel comfortable going into a dental office or not? So those are the questions now that companies are looking at and lenders are looking at is, you know, is their borrower going to survive and do they have to change their business model in order to survive? Speaking of those industries in particular, um, like hospitality and dental offices, um, you know, in conversations with um, middle market lenders, it seems like some lenders are turning away from those industries because it's hard it's hard to see returns. So what all what alternatives exist um, for companies in those spaces that need rescue financing, so to speak? And you know, when are lenders being um, flexible? I don't know how you guys see it at Monroe. How do you look at these industries and what are you hearing also from the the market in general? You know, that's a really tough question because a lot of these companies, that are in affected industries and you know those affected industries were, are what you talked about you know also industries that support those industries so you know manufacturing distribution um, you know vendors supply chain it, it, trip, it ripples down throughout the economy there's only two alternatives really for those types of companies and alternative number one is more equity uh, sponsor private equity sponsors have to step up with more equity because the lenders can't do it anymore. We've, you know, we've done all we can do in a lot of these situations. So we're working very closely with the private equity community and with the ownership 
you know, maybe there's equity, maybe there's mes debt, maybe, you know, there's more capacity to invest. In the instances where the equity owners cannot invest or will not invest, then there's only one real alternative, and that's a uh, restructuring, a bankruptcy. And that's a, you know, reduced debt, restructure. And unfortunately, what all, all often happens is the lender steps in, takes the control of those companies and sells those companies. And unfortunately, ownership, management, you know, suffer. And that's what, you know, we're going to see in a lot of these industries. I mean, particularly look at the restaurant industry. There's a number of very large chains, restaurant chains, that have, have gone out of business or sold or bankrupt. And, you know, a lot of these chains had big debt and the equity has been wiped out. It's been completely flushed and the lenders have taken control and are now either operating or selling uh, those industries, those companies. So as the crisis lingers on, um, what is the number one for number one concern for middle market lenders right now, especially in Washington, when we see, you know, discussions on a new round of PPP and th these have kind of stalled. So how what is your fund doing to address these concerns that you might have? And how is that similar or different to the middle market uh, lending space in general? I think the number one concern is always liquidity. You know, do these companies have enough liquidity to get by? And that's where there's a big difference between the, the investment grade market, the larger company market, and the middle market. Investment grade market, these companies can usually get liquidity from the public markets, they can issue debt. Um, and, and that's solved quite a bit of the, the, the problem for the larger companies. The middle market companies really don't have that uh, potential. They can't go to the capital market and issue debt. So they have to rely on their banks and their lenders. And the challenge is, is once those banks and lenders are at the point where they feel exposed, or they feel that on a formula basis, you know, they've lent as much as they can, it really it, it then goes back to the ownership. That's why from a government program standpoint, if we're going to uh, create stability for those non-investment grade companies, we really need to find a way to get capital to those companies and I, I think the best way to do it is through the, um, you know, through the lenders, through the private credit providers, you know, backstop some of those loans, just as they've been backstopping loans for the investment grade companies, so that, um, you know, you can keep employment. I mean, look at over the last couple of weeks, we've seen United, American, Delta, uh, you know, lay off 40, 50,000 people. And, uh, you know, those furloughs are going to be permanent. Same thing in a lot of the insurance industries. We're seeing a lot of the insurance companies do the same. Banks, uh, you know, Wells Fargo announced, you know, massive layoffs. So, you know, unfortunately, unless we get our act together here soon, you know, this is going to be a, a, a huge problem, not only, you know, Q4, but Q1 and Q2 of next year. Uh, and as a follow-up to that, um, how do you feel like the federal programs have taken private lenders into account? Private lending has obviously um, kind of become much more popular since the last financial crisis. Um, and do you think there's been sort of more of an acknowledgement of that in using them as an intermediary in federal, federal stimulus programs, or um, there still could be more inclusion? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. The, um, unfortunately, and, it, and it's just a, a function of the people involved, is many of the policymakers come from Wall Street. And Wall Street doesn't understand Main Street. 
It's just, it's just been that way forever. Wall Street understands Wall Street. So they've managed to solve um, Wall Street's problems and the investment grade company problems. They have not solved Main Street's problems. And uh, about 75% of the deal-related capital, the buyout financing capital in the middle market is provided by private credit providers, much like Monroe. And, um, you know, the government and the policymakers don't seem to understand that that's where the capital is coming from today. And those are the um, avenues and those are the, the channels that need to be shored up to provide capital to these borrowers. So, you know, until that really um, is understood better, you know, we're going to be in the same position we are. We're going to have Wall Street guys craft Main Street lending programs that are not usable or workable. And unfortunately, uh, until something changes, you're going to continue to see these middle market companies suffer and, uh, and close. That's really interesting. But back to the um, kind of when we were talking about those restaurants and, you know, companies with not a lot of funding options. How, how does the interest that your fund skew between more distressed deals and responding to the uptick in M&A financing? I don't know, what are you seeing more overall as well? Uh, you know, I think the, the, the challenge over the last several months is there hasn't been a lot of M&A, pure M&A financing. And that's because of the uncertainty. Uh, a lot of companies really weren't in a position to, um, to do M&A financing because they were more concerned about playing defense and playing offense. So, and then we got into September and all of a sudden we're starting to see some trends now. You know, we're six months into COVID. We see which companies are performing. We see which industries are performing. And now we're, we're seeing a big uptick in M&A because companies are, are feeling more comfortable. Lenders are feeling more comfortable with projections and understanding, um, you know, operating revenues, margins, supply chain. So we've started to see a, a nice little uptick in M&A over the last 60 days. And the challenge with distrust is distressed investing. There's an execution risk and a timing risk. You can, you can be right on one and wrong on the other, and you can get hurt as, a, as an investor. Um, so what we're seeing mostly today is opportunities in the M&A financing and add-ons in bolt-ons, tuck-ins, uh, distressed lending, or distressed investing has been very hard. Uh, you, it's hard to find when the right time to get in it, and then it's hard to make sure that once you're in, you can convert your distressed investment into equity and into a viable uh, business that has liquidity and, and, and good business prospects. So we're more comfortable at Monroe today doing more M&A and more healthy company uh, financing than we are distressed investing. Great. Um, anything else, Dad, that we forgot to ask that you would like to point out that you think is interesting in this topic? No, I think you've, you've hit on the highlights. I think that the government really needs to get its act together here, though, in, in the short term to, to make sure that small business in the U.S. survives. That, that's my biggest concern. You know, the one thing that, you know, nobody really talks about in, in these discussions is unemployment. And the consumer drives probably 60, 65 percent of the U.S. economy. And, uh, you know, I'm concerned that unless we do things here and act quickly, unemployment is going to continue to rise. 
and especially into next year, 2021, you know, we're going to have a consumer that's not going to be uh, uh, buying. And when that happens, we're going to see lots of industries get hurt. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. And thank you, listener, for tuning in.